Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 534 of the Juicebox podcast. You know, when you listen to an episode and it gets done, you think to yourself, ah, I like that person. That was fun. I liked that person. I heard a person. I thought, I don't know that person. Now I know them better. And I enjoyed myself. Have you ever had that thought when it was over? I, I mean, God, I hope you have. But I have it a lot when I interview people. Definitely had it with today's guest, Laura, who was misdiagnosed for a while, but now knows she's a type one. And then she gives a great interview with me about it. Other things happen, too, in the middle. Some of them we'll talk about. While we're talking about it, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your health care plan or becoming bold with insulin. While I have your attention, let me remind you that I'd love it if you went to the T1D Exchange and filled out their survey. All you have to be is a U.S. resident or the U.S. resident or the U.S. resident or a U.S. resident who's a caregiver of someone with type 1. So a U.S. resident with type 1, boy, I make this more difficult than it has to be. U.S. residents living with type 1 diabetes, t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. The program is all the program is something my mom would have said. I'm watching my programs. The show is also sponsored today by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. It is an absolutely fantastic and accurate and easy to use blood glucose meter. I think you should have it. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Well, hello, my name is Laura. I am 28 years old um, and I was diagnosed with type one in July of 2020. July of 2020, which was about six months ago. Yeah. But you were first diagnosed as type 2? Yeah. I first started having some other health complications. Um, I guess it was the fall of 2017. So I was 25 years old. And um, I was having like really severe abdominal pain. So I went to um, a walk-in clinic and they did a, a urine test and it turned out I had a kidney stone, but they found glucose in my urine. And so uh, they diagnosed me with type two, put me on metformin, you know, told me to control diet and exercise. And over the next couple of years, I tried my very hardest. I, you know, there were times when I wasn't eating any carbs at all. And it didn't seem to make a difference what I was doing with the medication or the diet or the exercise. My A1C never dipped below 10. Um, so that was pretty discouraging. And then I ended up in DKA in June, I would say, were you, and that was, you know, the first time that anybody questioned, they were like, well, it's not really normal for a type two to be in DKA. (laughs) You might want to look into that. In those years, were you seeing a physician regularly? Um, I was at first. And of course, you know, so this is when I was 25, I was in seminary and I was seeing a physician regularly that first year. Mm Then I turned 26, I get kicked off of my parents' health insurance. I also graduated from seminary and I didn't find steady work right away. So I didn't have my own health insurance for a while. 
Um, so I was just kind of living off of a back stock of metformin pills and doing my best to control it, you know, the only ways that I knew how. Um, and it took a while before I got back into the healthcare system and started seeing a doctor regularly again. Do you have any long-term uh, effects of those years? Luckily, no. I started to have some pretty severe um, side effects right before I went into DKA. I, you know, obviously I was thirsty for years. I was, this is probably TMI, but I was having pretty chronic yeast infections. Um, my eyes were going downhill. I was starting to feel some like retinopathy in my hands and feet. Um, I was having some dental issues, but I was so lucky that, you know, basically as soon as I was diagnosed, even before I was really diagnosed with type one, um, I started listening to the podcast. I started following some YouTubers um, and immediately, you know, got really good tips for how to get things under control. Mm -hmm. And so I just went to the eye doctor and I just went to the dentist and everything looks good. There's no um, long-term lasting damage from any of that. And my A1C has been really well controlled for the last two tests. I was a 4.9 last Monday. Wow. There's a lot in there. Like you were just slowly being killed from the inside out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, and the, the terrifying thing about it was that I really had to force my doctors to look any deeper into it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that I hear a lot. You know, anytime I see like in the Facebook group, somebody questioning, you know, my doctor says this, but it doesn't feel right. I'm one of the first to jump in there and tell them, you know, you need to ask questions. You need to do your own research. You need to go find a different doctor if yours won't listen. Because if I had listened to my doctors, I would be dead right now. hundred percent. Yeah. No kidding. You know, they didn't want to give me insulin. No, no. It does. I mean, it's that it went on that long while you were having so many other complications around it. Right. Were, you, were you the kind of person back then that you'd come in and say, Hey, I'm having dental problems. Hey, no, no. Ha- no, 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 no. Yeah. So I was embarrassed. Um, the whole time that I thought that I was a type two, I was so embarrassed and ashamed of that diagnosis that I hid all of the complications from people. Um, yeah, I was I was terrified to admit that I wasn't controlling it properly. Yeah, um, because you know when you're a type two, you're led to believe that all you have to do is eat decently and get up off the couch once or twice a day, and you'll be fine. Yeah, and that you know. Is that a much more extreme measures were not working for me? So not that you are a type two, but just to kind of delve into it for a second, mm-hmm. when um, when you were doing those things, eating the way you were told and all that other stuff, and you were getting these A1Cs that are 10 still, did that just make you feel like you weren't doing a good job? Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. I just finished. It'll actually be up soon. It's a recording with uh, a, a type two who's like 26. Mm-hmm. And was diagnosed in her teens, like with, uh-huh. t- and she really legitimately has type two diabetes and mm-hmm. isn't wasn't afraid to talk about it. Um, I've forever been trying to find type twos to talk about it for the exact reason that you mentioned, which right. is that they are not a group of people who generally want to come out into the light and share what it's like to have type two. Because if they did, I think other type twos could hear it and mm-hmm. see themselves in it and make better decisions. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I'm glad that she did that for yeah. you. I was really as she was talking. It was her age. I thought mm-hmm. she's she's young enough to not care and do this and her age is also kind of shocking enough to make you listen and go, wow, wait, she has type two diabetes. That's not my family, but let me listen to this because that that's kind of amazing. Also, don't worry about too much information. First of all, you're a great storyteller. I can (laughs) tell that you you talk to people for a living and, um, 
And just the first episode of 2021, we described uh, a woman as making uh, making bread in her vagina. So I think you're fine. Because <laughs> with- I did listen to that episode recently, and I, I felt much more comfortable. I think that she was the first person on the podcast that I've heard talk about that particular side effect. And I was like, well... You know, I knew I wasn't alone, but it's nice to hear someone be open about it. Are you saying, Laura, that it's difficult to walk around amongst your friend group um, and go, hey, has anyone ever had massive yeast infection problems? You know, <laughs> it should be probably, but actually it's not amongst my friend group. Oh, okay. Um, I try not to bring it up in public or with mixed company, but I've got some pretty good girlfriends who are open about, you know, that kind our of stuff. reproductive health. But they're not, di- they're, they don't have diabetes. So then you, right, exactly. you lose that yeah. one kind of. Um, aspect of it that you need to make a good decision for yourself. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. No. I. I. I appreciate when people are really honest because I think that's when um, like that's when it comes out. I've I've heard, um, you know, not other diabetes shows, but I've heard, in general you see that thing that happens to people. Like once they feel like they're being broadcast or listened to, mm-hmm. they suddenly turn into. Like they're like, they try to make themselves professional. I used to see it in blogging all the time. Like somebody would start this real like personal blog and it would get a little attention. And the first thing they would do is shine it up and mm-hmm. and make it look like all the other like pharmaceutical blogs, for example. And then I yeah. was like, that's the exact opposite reason why people found you and liked what you were saying. Right. And it's just interesting. Once they, people think they're recorded, how, how guarded they get. Um, yeah. And, and then it becomes not helpful in my opinion. So, okay. So you don't have type two diabetes not having type two diabetes almost killed you. Um, <laughs> and you get diagnosed six months ago. Yeah. Ish. What sends you? So how do you find a podcast? First of all, because you know, I don't understand this as much as I, yeah, have them, I don't I, do it. Okay. Well, here's how I actually found it. Um, I had started watching a lot of YouTube videos because I was watching like basically as many diagnosis stories as I could find. And especially from, people who were closer to my age. Cause I was just, I was still in this limbo. I had been in the hospital in what they were calling euglycemic DKA because my blood sugars weren't extremely high. Um, but I was definitely in DKA. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, this is so confusing. What is happening? Maybe it was, there was another type two medication that I was on that they thought maybe had kind of pushed me into DKA. Um, but they weren't sure if I was a type one or a type two. So I was waiting to go see an endocrinologist and get my C-peptide testing done and my antibody testing. And in the meantime, I was just trying to soak up as much information as I could. So I was watching all these YouTube videos. um, And one of the YouTubers, I think, was doing like a live Q&A. And somebody in the live Q&A asked her, have you ever listened to the Juicebox podcast? And she said, no, I've never listened. I think actually somebody asked me to be on that, but no, I've never listened to it. And so I was like, well, that's interesting. And I went and I checked it out and listened to an episode or two and I got hooked. And so I just went back to the beginning and started listening. Did Did you stop listening to her YouTube page? <laughs> well, I kind of did, honestly, but um, for you know a multitude of reasons. Well, just I'm saying, I don't know who that person is. I genuinely <laughs> don't know and I don't want to know, but yeah, if they're yeah. listening now... I won. No, I'm just kidding. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but yeah. Well, and I thought it was so interesting after coming on and listening to the podcast um, that this, this person must not have ever listened to it because if she had, I think that she would have had a much different attitude toward it. Gotcha. So I will tell you, Laura, that it's my interpretation of the space 
that mm-hmm. that most people are trying to make a business. Right. Right. And I happen to be in the very unique situation of this not needing to be a business for me. Right. It it it, it is, and as much as I have ads and they make money, which allows me to give the time to it. But my point is that if the podcast just disintegrated today for some reason, mm-hmm. like, you know, Thanos snapped his fingers and my podcast disappeared. My life doesn't get measurably worse. Right. Like financially. Whereas yeah. I think that other people um, are in a situation and you're seeing it a lot right now with the pandemic mm-hmm. because every person with more than four abs on Instagram is a trainer <laughs> and just needs $60 a month from you to get you in great shape. Yeah. Uh, every person on Instagram who has diabetes uh, knows exactly what you should do and they'd be happy to tell you for $20 a session. Like, like mm-hmm. it's just that, that is really kind of sprung up and it, it goes against my feelings about the space. So right. I think that I'm sort of like an old timey, um, as far as the diabetes space goes, content provider. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that my theories around it are very steadfastly that the people listening shouldn't have to pay for it. Right. That that just your your good health shouldn't cost you money. Right. And if you have what I think are reasonable ideas, like I think I think the way we manage Arden is um, reasonable. I think it, it it allows people to apply it to a multitude of different lifestyles. And um, I think kind of most importantly, I'm good at explaining it. Like I'm good, mm-hmm. I'm good if I'm good at a couple of things, maybe in the world, one of them is talking about diabetes in a way that you can listen to and then go, I know how to do that now from what mm-hmm. he just said. Right. And it's not very yeah. technical or boring. Um, and because of that, people listen to the podcast. Right. So, so I have something that people want to listen to and therefore a lot of people listen to it. And then I can go to an advertiser and say, listen, there's a lot of people listening. If you'd like them to hear your ad you can give me some money. I'll t- I'll deliver your ad to them. And mm-hmm. it's all very out in the open. You get the content for free. I'm a- able to spend what it has turned out to be most of my life making this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But when you don't have that information, like I shouldn't tell you this, but I know that there are people online who seek professional help and mm-hmm. then go on social media and regurgitate the professional help that they got from someone else as if it was their own ideas and charge people for it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So if you're not willing to do that, which is really, really terrible, um, Mm -hmm. if you don't have thoughts that lead to success, like I think mine do, then the only other thing you have around diabetes is complaining about it. Right. To draw, to draw in ears and eyes. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that's partially why, um, you know, I, I watched a lot of those YouTubers at the very beginning, but I haven't stuck with many of them, you know, because so many of them don't offer any kind of substance after kind of the commiseration that comes right at first. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, um, these are the things that are really hard about diabetes, but there's no solution. This is just what it is. Yeah. And so, you know, occasionally it's nice to watch a vlog of somebody just living a day in their life with diabetes and watching how they eat and how they manage different things. But I don't see growth from a lot of these people. Um, and, and I didn't want to get stuck, you know, feeling like 
okay, well, my A1C is 7.5 and that's just the best it's ever going to be. You know, that's pretty good. Sometimes I'm really high. Sometimes I'm really low and I feel like crap all the time. And that's just the way it is. And I realized very quickly listening to this podcast that that didn't need to happen. I mean, I knew how to pre-bolus before I even had an insulin pen. Yeah, that's so cool. I I, I just really, I, I'm taking a little time in your interview here to talk about it because it's so prevalent right now mm-hmm. and, and it, it's bothersome to me. Like I understand yeah. the wallowing a little bit and right. I can understand why it might be soothing. But if you're a content provider that is just providing the wallowing part, and and creating a group of people following you, in my opinion, it's your responsibility to move them forward after that. And if you right. can't, that's some suspect stuff you're doing there. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. let's just grab a bunch of sad people and keep them sad. So I get clicks. So YouTube sends me money. Yeah, that's pretty terrible. You know, it is. And why? It's why I moved the blog to the podcast, you know, the way mm-hmm. I did, because I was like, the blog is helping people. Excuse mm-hmm. me. <clears throat> I apologize. The blog is helping people, but people don't read anymore. So right. what am I going to do? Well, I'll I'll translate it over to audio. Mm-hmm. And then as if, if you have a soul, once you realize that people are looking to you, it, where you lead them to is is your only like purpose after that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I have it's funny, Laura. I have no religious feelings whatsoever, but mm-hmm. you're probably listening to me like, oh. This I'm I'm speaking about it in sort of a in sort of a, a a soulful kind of like religious way. It's but I just I just feel like that's common sense. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Yeah, you know, just what are you gonna do? We're gonna just we're all gonna stand here and cry forever and die? Like that's your play. <laughs> and in the meantime, yeah, and in the meantime, you get some money from YouTube. Uh-huh. Like like you're really willing to do that to all these people? And it's not a new idea. There used to be very popular blogs whose bread and butter was telling people how afraid they are of their diabetes. And it's cool if the person really was afraid Mm -hmm. and maybe it's not even on purpose, the side effect of what happens when you start drawing in more people who are afraid, more people are afraid. And then that commonality keeps everybody there. Yeah. It becomes an echo chamber. Yeah. It's like a bad horror movie. Yeah. You know, (laughs) just, you know, all you can do is open the window and go outside. You're all right. No, like you just keep moving. So, okay. So you find the podcast Mm-hmm. And it starts to click with you, even though you're you don't have insulin that you're using. Like what? Where? Are yeah. You at? So I left the hospital with um, long acting insulin. Uh, I had Lantus, and so I was taking one injection of Lantus a day. And of course, my doctors didn't want to give me any kind of like they didn't want me to be changing things on my own. But I'd already learned a little too much on my own. And so I was um, willing to mess with things outside of their um, recommendations a little bit. So I think I ended up, you know, discovering they had told me to take 20 units of Lantus a day. That wasn't quite enough. I ended up getting myself up to like, I think 23 units a day was about right for me, but I was still not able to let a single carbohydrate pass my lips without my blood sugar just skyrocketing. And so, you know, for the three weeks while I was waiting for my blood tests to come back, I was eating an extremely low carb diet, just trying to keep my numbers in range. And my labs came back, my endo confirmed, yes, you're type one, you've got the antibodies, your C peptides very low. Um, She said, but you know, your numbers are looking really good. So I don't even think that we need to start you on fast acting insulin yet. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
Um, I would like to be able to eat a carbohydrate again someday. <laughs> so I would really like the insulin, please, as soon as I can get it. Okay. Um, and so she said, okay, well, I'll write you a prescription. And how much do you think you'll need? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I think that's supposed to be your job to tell me how much I might need. Um, and she said, well, let's just start with three units a meal. And then she gave me like a correction factor. And so basically I just started from scratch and I figured out my own carb ratios. And um, I mean, I think she was wanting me to take like a fixed dose at each meal. Yeah. And I don't eat the same number of carbs at each meal. Um, and, you know, after three years of feeling really bad from high blood sugars, I wasn't willing to mess with that anymore. And so, you know, it only took me like two weeks to figure out what I needed to do to keep my blood sugars in range after a meal. Um, Somehow. And so when I went back to her the next time, she, you know, wanted to know what I was doing. I was a little bit sheepish about telling her how involved my management had been. Um, she was like, well, why don't we just try to scale it back one unit for each meal? And I was like, why does it matter? <laughs> you know, if I'm eating a meal that requires eight units of insulin, then that's what I'm going to take. I'm not going to take seven units because you want me to try using less. So this has been the, the last number of moments that you've been speaking were incredibly depressing and very uplifting. <laughs> it was interesting mm -hmm. because, because you went to a doctor. Let's really break mm -hmm. this down. You walked into a doctor to help them, to ask them for help managing a disease that you know nothing about. The doctor made a definitive statement. You do not need fast-acting insulin right now. And you said, no, I'd like some. And she went, okay. Yep, basically. And then, and then she said, how much do you think we should start with? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's horrifying. Yeah. It's, that, uh, it's been a wild ride. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that is really, that is really, it should be eye-opening for people listening. Because I say this all the time, and I, I kind of throw it away. Like, every time I give a talk somewhere – one of my last slides doesn't appear to go with the entirety of what I've just said. Like I talk all about insulin, how to use insulin and everything and things I think they should look into. And at the end mm -hmm. I say, uh, hey, real quick, this won't seem connected. But when your doctor says no, your next word should be why. Right. Because they really might not know why they're saying no. Yeah. And and I know that's a weird feeling for people. But we have to demystify doctors a little bit, right? They're mm -hmm. they're people who want to be doctors. They're not geniuses, you know. They're sometimes they're no smarter than you are. You don't realize mm -hmm. that they went to medical school. Maybe they're very good at, you know. I'm not I'm not trying to diminish a doctor. I'm trying to say that the process of figuring out illness is mm -hmm. is really a process of elimination. Yeah. Right. They. It's very infrequently that a doctor looks at you and just goes, oh, I hear what you're saying. And this is what's wrong with you. And this right. is how we fix it. It's it's normally, well, it could be this or this or this. This indicates yeah. this, this indicates this. We'll try this. Then we'll try that. First of all, that eats up an immense amount of your time. Like mm -hmm. and time is your life. And you sticking up for yourself, I'm guessing, was only a byproduct of how frustrated you were because of how long. Like, if you wouldn't have had those three years, I think you would have went home and said, oh, she said it wasn't time for me to have oh, this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. yep. It's a telling uh, a telling story, really. Um, yeah. And everybody needs to understand that if you can get a real answer, an answer that makes common sense, 
then okay. Like, and by that, I mean, if you can see the plan and what the right. plan's trying to accomplish and where it's going to lead and what it's going to, you know, reveal and what, it, you know, options that it's going to take away so that you can whittle down to something, that's one thing. But mm-hmm. no to yes is like, that'd be like if a four-year-old came to you and said, I want ice cream. And you went, no. And they went, come on. And you went, all right. Okay, sure. <laughs> it makes me wonder, why did I say no to the ice cream? Yeah. Was there a good yeah. reason or or was, you know, that's just, it's too common and most people get run over by it. Right. Well, and this might help somebody. This is something that I was hoping to be able to share with you is that, you know, right before it was, it was kind of in this in-between period between the hospital and my follow-up with the endocrinologist um, before I'd even gone to see the endocrinologist, actually, I went to check in with my primary care physician in the town that I live in. I live in a very small town right now. And um, she wasn't available. So I saw somebody else in the practice who I'd never met before. And so I go into the office just to explain why I'd been in the hospital that I wanted to, you know, follow up and inform them that I wasn't continuing on the medications for the type two at the moment. And I told him, you know, the people at the hospital had questioned whether I actually have type two. And so I'd like to get the C-peptide and antibody testing done. And he looked at me, this man had known me for less than five minutes. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had just started our visit in his office and he said, no, I can tell you right now you're a type two. (laughs) And I was like, you can tell me right now without looking at any other information about me, without hearing any more of my story that I am a type two and I don't need to have that testing done. And he said, yep, that's right. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to the endocrinologist on Monday. So thank you for your opinion. Can you? Also, um, but, you know, if I had yeah. been a person who just stopped and accepted that, I could have gone into DKA again. I could be dead. Right. He can you just know, it's, tell. It's just crazy what these people, you know, and I'm not a doctor hater either. I, I love doctors. I have doctors, you know, in my life that I know and love, and I think they're brilliant people. But it is insane that any doctor would assume that they know everything about a patient without taking the time to get to know them first. Yeah. I'm lucky in that I don't know if you've heard Dr. Nadelman on here. He came on and talked mm-hmm. about Corona a couple of times. He's yeah. a he's a very good personal friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky to be able to talk to him sometimes about what's going on with my kids. Mm-hmm. And what I'll tell you most is that when you're having those conversations, you hear the word, I think, I wonder. Maybe mm-hmm. let's find out. You hear right. those words a lot. And yeah. it, that's what a doctor is. And you wouldn't find many doctors who privately wouldn't say that. But right. I wonder how much of it is they're trying to project a confident face to you. And that right. makes sense to me. You know, I'm going to actually consider having Adam on to talk about how people should talk to doctors mm-hmm. so that they can get to their answers more quickly. Um, and maybe I'll bring this up too, if we ever do that together, um, because right now he's in the middle of trying to, you know, inoculate a state full of people. So he's a little, yeah. busy. but, um, but it, it's just the, just the know how it's not quite a negotiation, but it sort of is. Mm-hmm. And you need to know how to do the dance so that you're both leading and everyone's listening to each other because you came in, I mean, imagine you came into this GP, I'm guessing, with like some pretty specific stuff, like, hey, I want to get these tests. What right. skin off his ass would it be to send you to a lab, draw some blood, and get those answers? Exactly. Yeah, it was it really with him. I don't feel this way with most doctors, but with that particular one, who I've only seen that one time, mm. it really felt like an ego thing 
for him that he just did not want to admit that I might have an idea that he wasn't familiar with. Can I ask you, well, I'm going to come back to that, but can I ask you, is there anything visually about you that would give over to somebody just going, oh, you have type two diabetes? Because I know how people well, with type two bodies look. That's what was interesting about him. <laughs> so yeah, when I was first diagnosed, I was overweight. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked, you know, I was young, but I looked like a classic type two, you know, it wasn't out of the realm of possibility, which is why I didn't question it. I was like, well, this sucks. I'm only 25, but I guess I, you know, made poor eating choices and here I am. I got to deal with it. Gotcha. Um, so it wasn't really weird when I was first diagnosed, but I lost a lot of weight over the course of those three years because it was just falling off of my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by the time that I saw this guy, I was totally in a normal weight range. Um, I did not look like a classic type two and I hadn't since I moved to this small town in Texas where I live now. Yeah. I'm not even saying that somebody should do that. I'm just saying that. No, but I it's under- definitely, it's more common it's for how, sure. It's how the brain works real quickly. It's yeah. just like, oh, you're, you're not a perfect weight. This is obviously type two diabetes. Let's go. Right. Which just shows their ignorance about the whole thing. And, yeah. and back yeah. to what you said a moment ago, my son is working through like a medical thing right now. We're trying to come to a, like a decision about what, what's happening with him. Mm-hmm. And we were going back to a follow-up with the doctor and we had an idea of where we wanted the conversation to to lead, mm-hmm. but we didn't know the doctor that well. So on the ride over, I said to him, look, you can't just walk in there and say, hey, I think it might be this. Can you uh-huh. look at this? I said, because if he is one of those people, you'll rub his ego the wrong way. Yeah. And this will go sideways. I was like, we need to go in. And, and I, I said, here's a list of questions I want to ask. And my questions are designed to come to an answer, but also, you know, they're designed in a way to let him be the one who tells us what the answer is. Like, we are not going to tell him what we think, even though I could tell in the conversation that he and I had basically read the same NIH article about what Mm -hmm. we were talking about, because that's really all he was doing. He was just, he had read some literature and he was working through the steps just like, I read and my wife read through the same mm-hmm. literature and we had the same ideas about the steps to take. Yeah. And, but so my son's like, seriously, I'm like, yes, if we go in, I don't, I said, this, this could be a good guy. Like maybe we meet him six more times and I tell you we should just roll in next time and be like, Hey, is it a, you know? Right. Um, but for now we can't take that risk because mm-hmm. he'll, he, if he does brusque at that, we're shot. Like this whole relationship's over then. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that people understand that. That you know, Yeah, all- I think people definitely don't. And of course, you know, I was at the point where I had just hit my frustration limit and I was ready to just charge in and demand what I wanted. And I hadn't gotten to the point yet of being able to um, come up with a good game plan to get where I wanted to go. I think I'm probably more in the place that you are now where I understand that you have to kind of lead them where you need them to go with you Um, sometimes depending on the doctor. But yeah, at that time I was just angry um, and I I wanted some answers finally. When we tried Fiasp with Arden, Mm -hmm. I sent an email to the endocrinologist that said, Hey, I'd like to try Fiasp with Arden. Mm -hmm. If that's all right with you, this is my um, Walgreens phone number. Mm -hmm. And the return email said, I sent over a script. That's, that's the, that's the vibe that you're looking for in the end. You know what I mean? Just this, like they trust you and by trust, all that really means is you're having outcomes 
that they are willing to sign off on, like to put right. their name to. Like Arden's health is something that this person, in my opinion, I've never had this conversation with her, but I my guess is that Arden's health is something that she's happy and probably proud to say she oversees. Mm-hmm. But she recognizes that she's not, you know, pulling the strings. Y- right. y- you know what I mean? So if I would have said something crazy to her, I'm sure she would have said, you know, if I was like, hey, Arden needs a little pharmaceutical meth. I think she. I think she'd go. Uh, sorry, no. <laughs> you know, but Maybe not. yeah, right. But I think that um, I don't even know. Is there a pharmaceutical grade of meth? I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. That's not my point. I don't think so. My point. My point. You don't <laughs> think so. You live in a small town. Are you sure you don't know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but but no. But seriously, like you know, there's a line she'd, you know, she she would obviously say no to, but anything within the realm of reason, we don't have to have a contentious back and forth about. And I think a lot of people mm-hmm. could get to that eventually. Yeah. You know, if you've got the right person. Right. Okay. So that was a long way of saying you found the podcast. Yes. <laughs> I, I, now I, w- I really want to spend kind of the rest of the conversation, unless there's anything we've missed about your diagnosis in this early part that you wanted to say. No, I don't think so. Okay, good. Um, the, the rest of what I really want to understand is uh, cliffhanger. Givoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages 2 and above. Not only is Givoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to givokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Givoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit givokeglucagon.com slash risk. I wish you could have been here the day I had to learn to say pheochromocytoma. But I digress. You want a rock-solid blood glucose meter. Do you understand? Your meter with a test strip in it, you need a good one. It's not hard to find. You can just look at contournext.com forward slash juice box. Scott would not take ads from janky meters. Trust. This was not the first meter company that came knocking. It's the first one I answered the door for. You understand what I'm saying? Contournext.com forward slash juice box. You deserve a good, accurate, easy to use blood glucose meter. They're not expensive. It's not hard to do. Don't just settle for whatever someone gave you. Find out if you're using a good one. It's a wonderful website with tons of information. You might actually be eligible for a free meter. And you could be surprised at how little these things cost cash. Like it's possible this meter and the test strips could be cheaper out of your pocket than other meters are through your insurance. I know you're thinking that doesn't make sense, but it could be. And there's only one way to find out. There's two ways to find out. I guess there's three ways. You could get a crystal ball and ask that. You could um, find a lamp on a beach with a genie in it and waste one of your wishes asking, is the contour next one like cheaper than what I'm paying now through my insurance? But I mean, that would be a huge waste of your resources. I think it's simpler, actually, if you just go to contournext.com forward slash juice box and find out there. It is literally, seriously, hand to heaven stack of Bibles in front of a judge, the best meter I've ever used. It is super easy to hold, easy to see at night. It's got a great bright light and the test strips give you a second chance. So if you get some blood, but not enough, you have time to go back and get more. 
without ruining the test or the strip. Just check it out. There's links in the show notes, links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Please. I'm, I'm trying to lead you right here, okay? Help me out. Click on the links. Pheochromocytoma. Pheochromocytoma. I could just say it now in my sleep. Watch this. I'll look to the right. Pheochromocytoma. Now to the left. Pheochromocytoma. I'm going to cover my eyes now. You're going to have to trust me that my eyes are covered. Pheochromocytoma. Like a boss. Uh, the first couple times I said it, it did not go as well. I'm afraid if I tell you how I used to say it that I won't remember how to say it again. I really appreciate it when you guys support the sponsors. Let me get you back now. The part that probably sounds crazy to you when I ask the question, it's not a self-serving question. I don't <laughs> exactly know the answer to it, uh, which is weird because I am the one who theorizes, imagines, and makes the podcast and puts it out in the world. But what mm -hmm. did it do for you? Well, it, the first thing that it did was it just gave me some really practical tools that I could use immediately. And I started seeing results from it. You know, I, like being able to listen to, I don't even know how many episodes before I actually got my Humalog pens um, and understanding sort of the basic functions of the insulin and, and pre-bolus times and um, you know, the importance of getting your basal right so that your mealtime insulin is only covering the meal and not adjusting your rates throughout the day. And all of that stuff um, was all circulating in the back of my head when I finally got my hands on the elixir, you know, mm -hmm. the Humalog. And so I think the podcast was just sort of like my base level of education um, and I was, you know, using kind of tentatively, but I had my Dexcom from the very beginning too. I got my Dexcom like three days before I started using the Humalog. Um, so I felt safe kind of experimenting with some of the techniques right away and I saw positive results. And then from then on, really what it was, was just community for me. Yeah. Um, because it wasn't like it took me six months to figure out how to use my insulin um, it took me maybe a month to get into a good rhythm. And then from then on, I just wanted to listen because I enjoyed the stories that people were telling. It's um, and I, you know, I enjoyed the technology updates and mm. just, just feeling like I finally had a community of people that understood what I was going through. Mm. I have supportive people in my life, but they don't really get it. Um, and so it's really important for me to hear other people who live with it day to day, talk about what it's like having type one. Right. Now, I, um, it, it, it's helpful for me to hear that because I know I've said it enough, but like, I always just thought of the podcast as like how you use insulin. Mm -hmm. But this podcast has a, <clears throat> it's an, it's an, you know, there's that term evergreen, you know, that, mm -hmm. that just means your content, you know, doesn't, it's not topical to time. Like it's, right. you could listen on Thursday or Thursday. 300 Thursdays from now. And this, this one episode would probably still have the same amount of um, interest and, and, and helpfulness to somebody. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> don't know why I'm so, uh, hold on a second. <clears throat> this could be the end, Laura. <clears throat> oh no. Can you imagine if I died in the middle of this? Uh, well, especially for you, cause no one would know how to post it, but me. So no one. Yeah, I could do your it. funeral though. So that would be oh, fine. Well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I would like a big party. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, keep that in mind. At, at my funeral, I think I would just like a bunch of people with diabetes to come. I think those are the nicest things that would get said about me. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like those people to be there. Oh man. But um, I I just I just thought like. I, I've never really personally felt the impact of the community part of it because I mm-hmm. don't have diabetes. Yeah. And I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, it's weird, right, that I don't have diabetes, but that this is the far and away most popular podcast about diabetes that exists. <laughs> and and the person said, no, it's not that weird. It's like, I think there's something about it that makes it right. Like you understand it and mm-hmm. you have a feeling for it because you watch your daughter go through it. But yet you talk about it in sort of a dispassionate way that maybe you would like that is the part that you need from a doctor. You yeah. know, like that 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 one part is just like, look, even when I'm online and like I see something on fa- in that private Facebook group, which is really amazing, um, and I answer a question, sometimes my wife will see it and she'll go, You're so curt. And I was like, Well, I mean, I'm not their mom. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, they asked a question. This is the answer. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't have, and a lot of people are asking questions. I don't have time to like, hi, Laura. It sounds like you're having a tough day. Like, I can't right. do all that. I don't, I, not that I wouldn't in a normal, like personal situation, but like, you know, like this is just, I don't have time for that. And I think people appreciate that. Yeah, I think so too. Well, and the other thing about those, you know, the Facebook posts or whatever is that, there are always, you know, 50 other people who have jumped in to answer the question. And so by the time that you see it, I would imagine usually your job is just to say, yes, these people are on the right track or no, you should, you know, look in a different direction. Sometimes I reply to a post with the finger that points up. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if people even know that. I'm like, that's the answer right there. You got it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, so it and, and I'm not it's not it's not my job. It's something I try to do. The Facebook page only exists because people ask me for it. It's not something it's not like I was like, you know what I need a Facebook right. page. Like, that's not right. really how I feel. I think that's <laughs> you, you what know. anybody thinks usually. <laughs> no one thinks that. <laughs> but it is incredibly valuable. Like I'm proud of it. It's mm-hmm. it's fascinating how well it, it's doing for people. But yeah. at the same time, the people in there mm-hmm. are incredibly management focused because that's what the medium allows. Yeah. Like you can't make personal relationships on Facebook. You can't get a feeling of real community on Facebook. You can listening to people speak. Right. So it's funny if I get too focused one way or the other, I can get confused about what the podcast is. Mm-hmm. If I see the Facebook page too much, then I think the podcast is about management. <laughs> but I, I recently pulled the people in the Facebook page to prove what I thought. Mm-hmm. And I said to them, how many episodes a week would be right for you? And their answer is different than people's who, than what I actually see the podcast doing. So I know that the sweet spot for the podcast is two a week. Okay. And if I sneak in a third one, uh, cause it's like management or something like that, that I want that I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to give away that I'm actually a reasonably well thought out person, but like I'm, you know, the defining <laughs> diabetes series is pulling you through an idea right. as are the pro tip episodes. And so sometimes I'm like, I need to drop this one in now because three episodes ago we talked about this and I want people to run into this definition after they heard that story. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'll slip in a third one. It doesn't hurt the show. The show gets a lot more downloads because of that, but I do think it overwhelms some people's feeds. So some people, real podcast listeners, not that 
if you're not a real podcast listener, I don't love you, but people <laughs> who enjoy in you know, taking in audio yeah. would think nothing of listening to two, three hours of audio a week, right. right? But the people who just want the management, they don't want all that. Yeah. It's, it's well, it is interesting to hear you talk about that because I, I saw the post and I commented on the post. I think you actually replied to my comment, mm-hmm. but, um, I was getting kind of worried about all the people saying we only want one a week, like more than one a week is too much. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, if you only put out one a week, that would be fine. But I really appreciate however much content you're able to pump out because I happen to be lucky. I, you know, I live alone. I don't have kids that I'm taking care of. I work from home now. I have a lot of time to just, you know, consume audio content. Yeah. Um, and I love listening to the podcast. I was actually really sad when I finally got caught up and I couldn't just, you know, binge as many episodes in a day as I had time for. Um, Makes me so smile. I'm really glad to hear you say that, you know, that's a subset of the population and not all of your listeners. Yeah, it, it's really it's really fascinating, actually. You know, they're mm-hmm. it's um <clears throat> they're not people who would normally be listening to a podcast. And, right. and so what I've learned to take from that is that the podcast is so valuable that it has throngs of people who, against their better judgment, are listening to a podcast. Like, do you know right. what I mean? Like, they don't want to be listening to a podcast, but this right. one's so valuable to them. They're like, oh, hell, I guess I'll listen to it. Um, yeah. But people like you or even me, you know, I mean, listen, my week is pretty full. But mm-hmm. in any free time I have where I'm not interacting with my family – I'm listening to someone else talk about something. Right. Like, I just love hearing about things, things I would never know about, you know, uh, from like, you know, let me tell you about the Iran Contra thing that happened in the blah, 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 <laughs> to, um, you know, to a doctor who comes on as like trying to make an impassioned plea for people to use cocaine. I'm like, that seems wrong, but let me listen to what you're saying. And, you know, like, I just like hearing things. Yeah. Um, and then entertainment. I like entertainment that is audio, too. Right. So I grew up on Howard Stern and I like people talking in my ear. Like mm-hmm. I, I just like having a comfort and feeling like, you know, I don't know them. Obviously, I'm not a loon, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I I'm comfortable with who they are and their personalities. And I like hearing them. I probably take in 50. I think 50 is a fair number. I think I probably take in 50 hours of like audio content a, a week. Yeah. And so when I hear somebody say like an hour's too like an hour and a half is too much, I'm like, what? Right. <laughs> Don't you do dishes? Yeah, I know. It doesn't yeah. compute for me yeah. either. But but then I've learned to not like if I was a reactionary, I would I I could get confused and go, all the people in the Facebook group are everybody. I'll tailor right. it to them. But I but it's your story and other people's like you who tell me that what most people want from this podcast mm-hmm. is community and people's stories. Yeah. That's um, that's not what I expected when I started it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's why it grows and it's popular. Right. Well, and I think it goes back to what you were saying, you know, closer to the beginning about um, not having to make the podcast as, you know, your source of income. It's not, you're not constantly trying to think, okay, what's going to, what's going to drive clicks or whatever. You're not trying to polish it and make it some sort of branded thing for yourself it's it gets to be organic and it gets to take whatever shape is most comfortable and most interesting for people in the moment because you're not you don't have all this like background anxiety about where it's going you know you're able to just kind of go with the flow and i think that that's what makes it enticing to people yeah 
when when most people who have a podcast say, hey, tell a friend about it, what they're saying is, no one listens to this. Please, for the love of God, if you like this, tell somebody else, right? right? When I say tell a friend about it, I actually believe the podcast could be valuable to a person with type mm-hmm. 1 diabetes. And if more people listen to it, then it's not there's no slog involved. I go back to the advertisers at the end of the year and I go, do it again. And they go, yes, please. And that's mm-hmm. the end of it. Right. And, yeah. and then that, what that allows me to do is exactly what you were talking about. Like, I don't have to sit here thinking about how to wring every download out of this that I can. Like mm-hmm. y- if you listen to content, like, you know, people who put up five minute episodes once a week, mm-hmm. that all they're doing is trying to double their downloads so it looks like more people are listening. So if they have right. 500 people who listen to their podcast religiously and are subscribed, all they do is, you know, then they get 500 downloads every time they put out an episode. Right. And then they'll be like, oh, here's five minutes of like something. And then what that gives them is a thousand downloads. And then they get to go back and say, I have a thousand downloads a week. Mm-hmm. It's not real content. There's a, another diabetes blog that for a while tried doing like a director's cut of an episode. And I was like, anyone who understands this space just sees how like desperate that is. You know what I mean? Can you imagine if you and I had an hour and a half conversation, I edited it down to an hour and I thought, this is the, this is the show right here. And then I gave you the other 30 minutes, four or five days later. And like, here's the, here's the stuff you didn't hear. You mean the you cut out because you thought it was no good. Like, 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 oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, but all they're really trying to do is they're just trying to steal downloads because they want to be able to go back to an advertiser and say, look at all these downloads. Yeah. I, I don't have to do that. Yeah. I'm never going to say my downloads like out loud on the podcast, but this show downloads like a regular popular podcast, not like mm-hmm. a diabetes podcast. So, yeah. but anyway, that's all very incredibly surprising to me because I guess in my mind, this was going to almost be like a textbook about how to take care like an audio textbook. And then you'd listen through it and you'd mm-hmm. be done with it. And then as it went on, I was like, oh, I'm really liking having these conversations with people. Yeah. Well, and I think, yeah, it does. I, I'm sure it gets overwhelming for people who don't have as much time as I do, who sure. want to be able to find concise information quickly um, but you know, that's why you've got the pro tips and, and some of the different series that you've done. But I think the most effective way of getting information into people's lives is through storytelling and that's how people are going to absorb it. And that's how it's going to feel real to them. And yeah. so, you know, I feel like I've journeyed through learning about diabetes with 400 different people who have all given me a snippet of information that's helpful in my life. Um, and to be able to absorb that over time and then, try it out and use it and kind of see how it works for me. That's so much better than sitting down and reading a textbook. And Laura, you are on the show today because what you just said is exactly what I've grown into believing the podcast. Right. And it's just, it warms my heart that somebody else sees it that way. I'm sure, I'm sure there are a lot of other people that see it that way too, but I got to hear you like, you know, like say it on the Facebook page. And I was like, Oh, you're unlike the other people in here. Like Mm -hmm. that's what I thought when I saw it, I was like, she cares about the whole because in my heart, like I said this to Jenny privately the other day, I think I've said it on here before. I'm not certain. I genuinely believe that if you just start this podcast at the beginning and listen straight through it, you'll have an A1C mm-hmm. in the sixes, no problem. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And and that's just, I, I, I don't know if that would be true for everybody, 
But if you had that kind of focus, I don't see how you couldn't hear all of these stories and ideas and it wouldn't just eventually melt into how you think about it. Yeah. And, you know, it's so funny because diabetes is complex and it's challenging and there are moments where it drives you crazy and, you know, hormones interfere and and things don't go the way you expect them to. And so there's always a little surprise happening, but after six months, you know, I cannot imagine having a blood sugar over 180 for more than an hour. Mm -hmm. It just like, it doesn't compute to me. It wouldn't make any sense. Something would have to be horribly wrong. You know, I'd have to have a, a bad pod site that I haven't figured out yet or, um, be sick and not know how to deal with that particular illness or whatever. But it's like, it's so ingrained into me after six months that, you know, these management techniques, they shift and and morph a little bit day to day based on what my body is doing and what my activity level is. But it's never enough that I don't understand what's happening with my blood sugar. Yeah. Um, and I don't understand whether I need more or less insulin and more or less sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I agree with you. I think if people listen to the podcast beginning to end, I don't know what would have to happen for me to have an A1C over seven yeah, at this I, point. You I, know, I think it would be burnout and just refusing to pay attention to it. Right, right. I say six because I'm hedging my bet, but the truth right. is it should be in the fives. <laughs> like, like, right. you know, like it's just, if you put a camera on me. While I was managing diabetes, I can hear people thinking like, oh, that would be valuable. Like you wouldn't, it would be no value to you whatsoever because Mm -hmm. no matter what happens, I just know what to do at this point. Yeah. And, and I'm going to say really earnestly that in a weird way, I've listened to the entirety of the podcast three or four times. Mm -hmm. I, not really, like I've I've had the conversation, then I've gone back and edited it. And then there are times where I'll pull it up in my podcast player and listen to it to make sure the audio sounds right. And I'm trying to teach myself about audio levels and stuff like that as well. Right. Like, I want to hear what you're hearing because editing yeah. is not the same as what you're hearing because it's stop mm-hmm. and start. And some people um a lot. Like, I have to thank you for not umming. Like, th- <laughs> that you don't um saves me 20 minutes. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Right, right. And yeah. and like there's just all kinds of little things that you wouldn't. So I, I hear it back in a chopped way. Even listening to an edit and imagining it together is a skill that I've built over time that I didn't necessarily have when I started. But, but back to my original point, the person I am today, my understanding of diabetes today is immensely greater than mm-hmm. the person I was the day I started the podcast. Yeah. And you listen to that episode 11, you're like, this guy's like Mecca. He knows what to do. Like he's have some <laughs> deep understanding. I look back at that person. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so far beyond that now. Yeah. Through, through recording these conversations. Right. Because somebody says something inevitably in every episode that makes me go like, oh, that's worth remembering. Mm-hmm. And it sticks to me then, you know, and then at some point I'm trying to, I mean, I think I'm there. But then sometimes I wonder if I'm not like I'm in this is season I'm recording now for season seven. That's and I don't screw around like I'm not like 20 episodes mm-hmm. is a season like a season's at least 52 episodes, most likely 100. It's a year. Right. And I'll, there's no no sign it's going to slow down. So three years from now when I'm like, this is the 10th season of the podcast, like 
am I going to look back on this conversation with you and be like, oh, that idiot didn't know what he was talking about? <laughs> well, I mean, you were in a particular part of diabetes management when you started this with Arden. She was a lot younger and it's going to be really interesting, I think, for those of us who listen to hear how things change for you once Arden is an adult and managing on her own and out of your household yeah. and how your perspective changes at that point, you know, when you're not doing the day-to-day anymore. Um, it's I'm in kind of a weird place because nobody else ever took care of my diabetes. I'm the only person with it and I'm an adult. So I'm not dealing with the growth hormones and the huge body changes. I'm just dealing with the, you know, regular womanly month to month shifts that happen. Um, but you have gone through an incredibly uh, dynamic time with Arden, you know, trying to learn how to manage her diabetes in each season of her life. And so of course you're going to be different with your management now than you were five years ago. Um, and it's going to continue to change. And, you know, eventually it's not going to be your primary responsibility anymore. And then you'll have a different set of things to talk to people about. I, so Laura, I like the way you think I, because that's my kind of long, so I have like a long-term idea, like the next couple of years mm-hmm. and then where I think it'll go in the next three, four, five years with algorithms. Mm-hmm. And then I have this, like what you just said, like in my, in my mind, I want to get Arden off to college. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that that means that she's just on her own. And I and right. it, and I used to believe that, but because of the conversations I've had on the podcast, I don't think that anymore. Like enough right. 29, 31-year-old people who have had diabetes since high school have said to me, I did not know what I was doing through my 20s and I can't believe I'm alive. Mm-hmm. That makes me think that Arden and I can still have some contact. And that right. it won't be overwhelming to her, but I'll just be like, I'll be Jenny to her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the way people use Jenny. And yeah. and I think this podcast can keep growing. I don't imagine it stopping. It's funny. It, it, this Arden may or may not ever become pregnant. But if mm-hmm. but in but if Arden were to have a baby in her late 20s in that space when mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people have children, um, I think I'd want to get her through her pregnancy and yeah. then you might hear me say, I'm done, guys. Like, I can't, I've, I've, I, this is a, a blueprint to how to live with diabetes. I'm gone. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? But, um, I think there's real value for the people listening all the way up into that space in her life. Yeah. And even my perspective from the outside, um, and not just for parents, honestly, but for people living with it. I, I, I've said it, I've said this a number of times over the years, but, some of the nicest things that people have ever said to me um, from a person who has type one diabetes told me uh, when I'm talking to you, I think you have diabetes and they meant that as a compliment. Mm. And I took it very much as that. Uh, And Jenny saying that the only, pretty much the only thing on the internet she would ever tell anybody to check out around type one is this podcast and and not because she's on it. And yeah, uh, I think that's true. I mean, anybody who has explored various type one avenues on the internet knows um, that there's uh, I don't know, a vast difference in levels of quality and the information that you can get. And I think many of us feel silly when we tell people that, you know, we're getting management ideas from a podcast or, you know, when I went to my doctor and, and said that I was questioning my diagnosis, 
I didn't want to tell them that I'd been doing internet research because there's just such a, you know, a bad stigma around that. But the reality is you can find really good information if you know how to separate what's real from what's fake, Yeah. Um, which unfortunately is becoming more and more of a problem in our society. But um, yeah, I mean, I have found many different online resources that I've thought this person doesn't really know what they're talking about. They don't, they don't know any more about it than I do. And that's not a good place to be seeking information. Um, but I tell people all the time that this, this is a place that they can come and actually learn something. And um, if not even learning management ideas, just, just hearing stories that kind of open up their perspective about what diabetes can be in their lives. I have an interview that hasn't come out yet. And this person reached out to tell me how the podcast had helped them and they wanted to come on and blah, blah, blah. And I, I, you know, just in my head, I was like, Oh, they must've listened to the pro tip episodes and, you know, figured out management. And it came to be while the conversation was happening that they already knew all that stuff. Mm -hmm. They just didn't do it. And, right. And couldn't even tell you why just, yeah, they just didn't care. And listening to people talk about their diabetes made them want to do a better job with it. Mm -hmm. And I was like flabbergasted when she said that. Yeah, I was like, oh, I never considered that before. Like it, that that's the really beautiful thing about this is that it does so much more than I expected it to do. Mm -hmm. And it's a it's a, a pleasant surprise and a teaching thing for me, because then I get to look and say all these things. <clears throat> wow. My voice today. <clears throat> it's not like I've been near another human being. I can't be sick. <laughs> <laughs> Allergies. They've been bad down here in Texas. Really? Um, I, I get to look and say here are some kind of things to look out for, for Arden as she's moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit too, there's like part of me and I, I almost drop it in every once in a while as a hello, but there's part of me that hopes that one day Arden will sit down and listen to this. Like yeah. there's even part of me that thinks that like if I drop dead, like tomorrow, I kind of hope my son would listen to it just to hear me be a person he probably doesn't recognize. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it might be interesting for him, like, yeah. but I don't know. I didn't mean for that to be more, but I meant for that to be celebratory. But then as I it said, is. It, I no, that's thinking, nice. Yes. Yeah. It'll be a little time capsule for your family. Someday. Yeah. Hey, Cole, what's up? See, <laughs> it's nice. Remember the time we were trying to figure out what was wrong with you when you were 20? This is that. This uh, is that. Yeah. It just, um, it's, a, I, I do know there are some people who sit down with their older parents mm -hmm. and just let their parents tell the story of their life. Yeah. And they record it. I think that's a, a super interesting idea as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyway, I love this podcast. I, I, I'm glad you do too. It's yeah, pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me, um, may I ask a couple of questions? Do you have a couple yeah, of extra course. minutes? I'm good. Yeah. I tell people an hour, but I mean, if you listened, you had to have known that may or may not. Oh happen. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Plus I, you know, what is time anymore anyway? I don't have a schedule. Laura, I agree with you. I, <laughs> I, I made pizza dough this morning for the weekend uh -huh. And my son goes, you're making it now for the weekend? I was like, I like the cold fermented. I think it's easier on your system to digest. He then <laughs> glazed over and stopped listening to me. <clears throat> and uh, and then I found myself thinking, when is the weekend? What is today? <laughs> yeah, it's only Tuesday. That's going to be, that'll be some really nicely fermented I pizza just, dough. I'm just like, I don't, I don't know where I'm at or what. Anyway, you know. <laughs> so um, your management seems like, stellar like i almost don't even know how to ask you about it because you're clearly not honeymooning i'm a assuming your honeymoon is what kept you alive for those three years yeah i'm assuming that that's <laughs> right yeah right. um 
I don't believe I'm honeymooning. No, I haven't had any of the classic, you know, honeymoon experiences. Um, I think really <laughs> what what got me started on a positive note was just not being afraid to use the insulin. Like I was excited to use the insulin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it took me a few weeks to adjust my body back to the point where a normal blood sugar didn't feel low to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was a little bit careful easing into that, but um, I think being fluid is the number one thing, not being stuck to a carb ratio, um, not being stuck to a correction factor and not doing precise calculations all the time. I'm, I'm a big proponent of rounding up to the next unit. Yeah. Like, you know, I just kind of think I don't measure things. I look at a plate. I think, okay, that's probably roughly, I don't know, 50 grams of carbs. My, my ratio is somewhere in the one to 10 to one to 15 range, depending on where my hormones are. Um, and other factors. And so, you know, if I've got 50 grams of carbs, I'm probably going to give myself five and a half units of insulin just to be on the safe side. Right. And then, you know, I watch my Dexcom. If I didn't have a Dexcom, I couldn't do it the way that I do it. Um, I would have to be much more careful. Yeah. There'd be but, more testing for certain. It, yeah. It, it's funny. The person yeah. I am now could do it without a Dexcom with more testing. But mm-hmm. when I started, I don't think I could have done it that way. Like, yeah. I don't think you can come to these ideas without being able to see the blood sugar as he, right. you know, he can't be as aggressive, I guess. Yeah. And then things get away. I, I by the way, I agree. Like, I'm just like, there, the other day I said to Arden, I sent her a text. I was like, hey, um, let's put in, you know, more insulin. And mm-hmm. and she did it. But I didn't know she did. She didn't respond back and say, okay. So mm-hmm. a few minutes later, something happened to her CGM. Or I was like, ah, maybe we shouldn't have done that. And I looked. I was like, oh, she didn't even do it yet. That's great. And I said, hey, never mind that last bolus. And mm-hmm. she goes, too late. And I went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, well, keep a juice box yeah, nearby and we'll whatever. See Let's see what happens. Yeah. You, you know, so um, yep. that part of it is I was texting with Jenny recently. And I was joking back and forth. And I said, sometimes I can't even imagine that the podcast is necessary. And I'm like, pre-bolus, get your basil right, understand different impacts of foods. And mm-hmm. and then the last thing I said was, and stay flexible. Yeah. That's it. Right. There you go. It's the whole secret to diabetes. Congratulations. You've got it. You, you know, like, that's it. Just you, that things are never going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And instead of banging your head against the wall and bemoaning that things are never the same, figure out how to live in that space. Right. You know, is somebody breaking in? Are you going to die soon? What was that noise? Oh, that was my cat. I've, I've been uh, shocked that my cats have not been more disruptive um, up to this point, but they only get active when I'm like trying to do something important. Um, (laughs) So I knew that as soon as I got on this call with you, they'd start running around. Usually they just lay there and sleep, but. Do you buy into the theory that if they were bigger, they'd kill you? That the only thing stopping them from killing you is their size? At least one of them would. The other two are pretty nice. <laughs> they would just wait around. <laughs> They'd wait around for the meat after the murder happened. They're like, I'm yeah. not going to. I'm not like, well, do can't it. change it now. <laughs> but she's gone. So why not? <laughs> she's not going to feed us anymore. I guess, no. I guess we got to eat her. Look who let us down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, um, I don't know. I, I sometimes I look at them and I'm like, are they just tigers that are too small to kill us? Um, yeah, they're pretty sweet. though. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, I'm nice sometimes, too. But you never hear anybody say it out loud. <laughs> Um, so, so you just, you don't have any specific diet. 
No, that well, okay. And so this is something that I've, you know, been preparing to kind of make some changes with because, you know, I had been so restrictive with my diet um, before I had access to insulin and I was not in a healthy place with that. You know, the, I was starting to have some really kind of disordered thinking around my eating. Of course. Um, and so my main goal was really to just be able to get out of that mindset and be able to eat whatever sounded good and, you know, healthy, but also comforting and whatever, just not having to say no to food because of my disease. Yeah. Um, and so I spent the last six months just learning how to bolus for whatever I wanted to eat, you know, whether that was a salad or fried chicken and mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I got insulin the very beginning of August, my birthday is August 3rd, and I got cake for my birthday, you know, and I ate the cake and I took the insulin for it and it was fine. And so um, I've probably maybe gone a little too far in the other direction now to where it you know, I've gotten it out of my system. I don't feel restricted anymore, but I recognize that I wouldn't have to think so much about the insulin if I probably cut back on the carbs a little bit. Right. Um, so, you know, just trying to find that healthy balance now of eating food that I know is good for me and nourishing for me and allowing myself to have a treat when I want it or need it. Um, but but I don't feel like I have to experiment with every food under the sun anymore because I've kind of figured out how to do it. Sounds like you figured out two things. First of all, you were able to get yourself out of that idea of like, don't eat that, don't eat that. You know, right. It's going to kill you, which is a, a really uh, terrible brain worm. Like it, mm-hmm. once it gets into your head, it is difficult to get away from. So that's right. great. You also taught yourself how to bolus for anything because you were in the middle of like, hey, how about this? Yeah. And now you have to get to the part that everybody needs to understand who listens. And at some point I am going to do like a specific episode about it, but you have to be able to separate. I can cover that with insulin without my blood sugar spiking from, I really shouldn't be eating this. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. And yeah. I mean, I've gained weight since I started using the insulin. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's it been very apparent calories. that, you know, insulin doesn't cause weight gain, but the food that you eat and cover with the insulin causes yeah. weight gain. It's a, it's a real common misconception because people yeah. see the chicken, not the egg. They go, oh, I started yeah. using insulin. I gained weight. It's like you started using insulin and eating a lot more calories. Yeah. And your body could retain the food that you were eating. Right. You have to be able yeah. to separate diabetes from being a living person and how right. nutrition works. Exactly. And, and that ends up being the next piece. Like is, yeah. you know. Uh, sure, like sure, I could bolus for twelve donuts and probably right. keep it together, uh, but that's not a thing people do. You don't eat twelve donuts, yeah. and, and if you do, you're taking in too many calories in the wrong kind, specifically. Right. You know, uh, yeah. yeah, that is the next part is yeah. is getting that straight in your head. Good for you. You're doing great. I raised you amazingly. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you. And yeah, now my goal is to, you know, evangelize to the few um, type ones that I do know personally who are struggling. I've, it's so weird. I showed up in this town to work at this church and my boss, the other pastor at the church is a type one as well. And he's 60. Hmm. Um, And so he's been a type one since he was in his twenties and he calls himself brittle. Um, and he doesn't have a CGM and he doesn't have a pump and his blood sugars are all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been a really interesting experience for the last few months, you know, trying to kind of cautiously 
tell him the success that I've been having um, without, you know, making him, I'm, I'm not ever trying to make somebody feel bad about it or feel like I'm bragging about it. Right. I'm just so glad that I found techniques that work for me. Yeah. No, no. Um, I mean, that, that brittle thing is. Yeah. And he just comes from that generation where there weren't other tools available. And so he believes that he's the brittle diabetic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, if you could just get on that CGM and see what's happening with your blood sugars, I bet it wouldn't take you more than a few weeks to, to get things out. under control. No, I know. Um, listen, I, uh, you know, privately, uh, struggled with my own friend that, you know, mm-hmm. I couldn't get him to, to think of it that way either. And it's yeah. a, a weird thing to try to get an adult to change their mind, especially when they believe it at this yeah. point, because they've seen it so many times. They're right. like, what do you mean? How can you say I'm not brittle? Like my blood sugar falls out of nowhere. Right. And it's, it's, you know, I'm like, no, I know it does, but it's actually not out of nowhere. There's a yeah. reason like I could, I could show it to you. And, yeah. um, it's 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 never more obvious than you watch than when you watch new people's graphs as they're figuring the whole thing out, mm-hmm. and, and they're like, "Look, it just it just drops out of nowhere. There's no reason for it." I'm like, "Well, no, there's a hundred percent a reason for it. <laughs> you, you, you don't know the reason, which is right. you know the difference between you know there's no reason and I don't understand the reason. So yeah. all we got to do is figure it out and uh, get your basal right, and then teach you how to pre bolus, and then this won't happen, and blah blah blah, and then there you are. You know, it's. Yeah. But getting people to to come back over is is not easy. It really isn't. Yeah. Um it's sad, but I hope you figure out a way to to do it. Actually, let's just lay it on you, Laura. If you're any good at your job, you'll be able to figure this out. <laughs> well, I did um, you know, I told him about the technology that I had and he went to his endo and he asked for a Dexcom. Cool. And he got a prescription and all of this was happening at the end of the year and um he was having issues with the insurance. And so he doesn't have it yet, but he has initiated the conversation. He's trying to get himself a Dexcom. Um, I don't know that he'll go on a pump. I think he's been doing injections for years and is fine with that. And I I think that's totally manageable. You know, I was on injections for not more than six weeks, probably, before I got on my Omnipod. Mm -hmm. But um, my blood sugars didn't change much when I switched to the Omnipod. You know, I was managing fine with injections. So... I think that the Dexcom is going to be the thing that changes his life. And I'm just so hopeful that, you know, the insurance issues clear up and he's able to get it soon. Right. No, I, I, I do too. I hope too, that you then, I wonder if the pro, if you're going to introduce the show to him, if mm-hmm. it, you don't go right to the pro tips. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if I can get him to listen. Um, yeah. I'm so, let me know. You know, I will. I, I'm, I, I, will. I am interested too, because he's a, definite interesting subset being uh, that his age and how long he's had type one and all the preconceived notions he has um, are are really interesting, but hopefully he'll listen and, and be like, Oh, this is it. All right. Yeah. All right. So before I let you go, Laura, um, just, you know, help out the show any way you can. Uh, Do you own a Dexcom (laughs) and an Omnipod because of me? I do. Yeah. I was jealous listening to everybody else talk about him. So I asked as soon as I, could. I asked for my Dexcom immediately when I saw the endo mm-hmm. and luckily she was very supportive of technology. So she, she was like, yeah, I'll write you a prescription right now before I even had my type one diagnosis. Cool. Um, it took them changing the code for my diagnosis for my insurance to actually approve it. But luckily that was all kind of happening at the same time. Right. And then, you know, I kind of had planned to stay with injections for a little while, but after listening to the podcast for a little bit, I thought, you know, I, I want the pump. 
I don't think there's any reason that I can't have the pump. So I'm just going to ask for it. And um, I went through Omnipod and they were the ones who really got it going for me. And I didn't even have to ask my doctor. They sent in the request for the script and got it all taken care of. And it was as easy as could be. Hear that Omnipod? Price is going up next year. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So definitely <laughs> I would not have been as quick to ask for the technology if I weren't listening to the podcast. No, I, I'm joking. And at the same time, I'm not in case somebody. No, I know. I know that you joke about it, but yeah. it really is true. Like no. this, the podcast helps people understand what the technology can do for them. Yeah. I think that's it, like being genuine for a minute. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. the, that's the disconnect is that you, yeah. you don't understand what it would do. So you're just like, well, I, I have a hammer, you know, yeah. or, 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 you know, I, I have a hammer. Why would I need a nail gun? Right. You ever use the nail gun? It's way better. It's a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let me, unless you shoot yourself in the head. Like once well, in a while people yeah. do. But I mean, like if you can <laughs> avoid that, it's really right. amazing. Um, it's just, it's like I said to my son the other day, I said, when you get your own place, the first thing I'm going to do is get you like a small battery um, rechargeable electric screwdriver. Mm-hmm. And he said, or like, you know, a drill with it. And he's like, why? And I was like, wait till you see, man. Yeah. It's so much better than turning a screwdriver and you'll be putting things together. It'll be great. And yep. he looked at me like, great, this is my life. And I was like, no, no, you're going to love it. Like you're oh, going to learn. It's life changing. Yeah. My, my realtor, when Kelly and I bought our very first place, he left, you know, at the end of the day and there was just a screwdriver on the table that you could pop out and make it uh, regular or Phillips head. Mm-hmm. And it had a couple of different sizes in it and it was really well made. Mm-hmm. And that was 22 years ago. And I still use that damn screwdriver. Wow. So I just said to my son, I'm like, I'm going to give you a battery opera. I'm going to give you the right tool for the right job. Yes. And and, and you're going to learn about work smart, not hard. Yep. And exactly. If you, I've never said that around this on diabetes because I think it's kind of cliched at this point. But that's how I think about diabetes. Like, yeah, you know, don't kill yourself. Just do the things that need to be done and do them at the right times and you're all set. Yep. I think that's exactly it. Laura, you're terrific. I did not um, ask you about your job, although I was interested in how a person your age becomes a pastor, but that's going to have to be for another time. Sorry, Siri's trying to talk back to you. What does Siri want? I don't know. Sometimes my watch thinks that I'm talking to it when I'm absolutely not. Hold on a second. I want to try something. Hey, Siri, what's the outside temperature? Now it doesn't do anything. Are you kidding me? I just want to know. <laughs> it how never warm works it, when you want it to. I just want to know how warm it was in Texas. Jesus. Oh, it's not warm today. It's like in the 30s, I think. Oh, what the hell? Yeah, we had a cold front come through. Texas is one of my escape plans. Are you telling me no? I well, I have a lot of feelings about that. I my personal escape plan would not be to come to Texas. Hold these on. Days. Do you mind saying <laughs> this on the podcast, or should we disconnect? I'd be happy to shut it off and hear your personal thoughts. Sure. Yeah, that's right, fine. Here we go. Bye, everybody. You don't get Bye, to, everybody. You don't get to hear what Laura thinks about Texas. Well, it turns out it wasn't about Texas as much as it was a personal thing. So not as salacious as I was hoping. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that. G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. I'd also like to thank the Contour Next One blood glucose meter and tell you 
that I think having a really great meter is important. Please check this one out, contournext.com forward slash juice box. Get yourself a good meter, please. Seriously, let me talk about this for two more seconds. Get a good meter. It's important. Even those of you who are using CGMs, it's really important to have a good meter. If you don't get the Contour Next one, I mean, okay, but it's a really good meter, but that's not the point. Like the point's not for me to, you know, get clicks. Although, let me just go back and say, if you do get the Contour Next one, please use my link. Like, please, seriously, don't have me have gone through all this and then you'd like, don't go through my link. And they're like, oh, that's not from Scott because you're killing me. Okay, but that's not the point. The point is if you want a different meter, just get a good one. It's important to have a good meter, even in the day and age of CGMs. I mean that, please. Treat yourself right, okay? You crazy kids. I love you.